Hey everyone, this is Brett with the Indie Comics Dispatch. On this week's episode of Broadcast from the Dispatch, we bring the cons to you because you can't go to the cons. Joining us this week is Tony Cade, Cerise Murphy, and Joseph Wheeler, each of whom organize a different con around the country, both in person and virtual. As always, Broadcast from the Dispatch first airs as a live stream most Wednesday nights at 8.30pm Eastern Time. You can catch us on the Indie Comics Dispatch Facebook or YouTube channels. We'd also love for you to be a patron. You can go to patreon.com slash Dispatch and sign up for as little as $3 a month. Our patrons really help support the production of this show and other features of Indie Comics Dispatch. And as a patron, you get lots of cool rewards, like special bonus content from this episode that's only available to patrons. Go check us out, patreon.com slash Dispatch, or search Indie Comics Dispatch in the Patreon app. Since you're listening to this on the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you liked, rated, and subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. It really, really, really does do a lot for the podcast and help it gain visibility within the podcast community. And without any further ado, here's this week's episode of Broadcast from the Dispatch. This is Scorpio Chronicles, your host for Kickstarter Connection. Join me on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for the latest and the greatest on indie comics and the creative teams that are behind them. See you on Tuesday. Stay positive. Test negative. Hey everybody, this is Brett with the Indie Comics Dispatch and broadcasting from an undisclosed con somewhere deep within the Milky Way galaxy. This is broadcast from the Dispatch. What's going on? What's going? What's going on? I'm looking rugged right now. Like I like I told you, tell you earlier, just got in from the office. What's up? You rushed right in from the office. Yep, rushed right in. Rushed right in. So, so that new countdown. Yeah, you like that? I like that. I like that. I like the um, the, the star particles coming. It looks like yeah. actually on the dispatch traveling through the universe. I dig that. Right. I dig that. Right. So, uh, right. I'm excited about tonight. Um, because people have been missing cons, and so we brought mm-hmm. the cons to you, mm-hmm. the people yes. who run these cons. Yeah, Some very awesome folks, and uh, this is a good time to to ask questions. Um, I know people are going to ask when Khan's coming back. Uh, read the room, <laughs> like the big room, the environmental room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, we got some great guests tonight. We'll we'll introduce them in just a moment, um, and then um, we'll get going. I do want to mention uh, mm-hmm. we have a Patreon. The the if you're watching this live, the the address is right down there in uh, Patreon.com/slash/IndieComicsDispatch, or you can search for us on the Patreon app. Just yep. search Indie Comics Dispatch, and you can support us for as little as three dollars a month. Um, right now, we got some great digital copies that you can you can access if if oh. you become a patron. Um, they're they're there. Previous patrons already got them, um, but you can access that digital those digital comics um 
as you become a um, patron. And so we yes. have T Tales of the Stars, issue one, uh, Niobe, She is Death, issue number one, and Okamis, issue number zero, all yeah. digital that you can get right now. Yep. And when you sign up, you also get a physical copy of a very cool Sovereign comic. Hey, my mouth doesn't make that. Hey, <laughs> which is, which honestly, every, everybody who's gotten it has uh, been up and I've been excited because everybody who's gotten it's like, yo, this comic's dope. I'm like, thank you. Mm -hmm. I try. Yeah. You know, I want folks to read stuff and have fun with it, you know. So, yeah. Very good. Bro. Well, you ready to introduce our guests? Yes, yes. Let's get this All thing right. going. Let's get this thing going. First up, and I'm so excited. Uh, our first guest that I'm going to introduce, and I have gone back and forth, back and forth on on the Instagrams many times together. Um, uh, Joseph, how are you, sir? How y'all doing today? I appreciate you having me, Brett. And it's doing honor. well. Yo, Joseph just... is the proud is a proud Southerner, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. He is an Atlanta College of Arts, now SCAD Atlanta, BFA oh. graduate, um, an important ambassador to the arts and outdoor rec scene in Atlanta. With his Onyx Con established in 2009, celebrating over a decade of events and online content. Joseph, welcome, sir. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? And I just want to say on camera, thank you so much, Brett, for being a real supporter of Onyx Con. Brett puts his money where his heart is. He really does. As a nonprofit, we appreciate you, man. Yeah, and you too can support OnyxCon. Like Joseph said, OnyxCon is a nonprofit, so it's tax deductible um, if you yeah. if you itemize. And um, you can cash app um, at OnyxCon, right? Yeah. Or dollar sign OnyxCon, yeah. Exactly. And also, um, we're even, I mean, we're cool with that too, but we're also just started our own GoFundMe. And the link is on our, yeah, at OnyxCon over on Instagram. So definitely go there. Even first you know <laughs> yeah definitely all right i'll have to switch it up i'll have to switch yeah. it up um our next guest this evening i am also very excited about because she just organized an outrageously Ooh. wonderful online con cerise rennie murphy Ooh. how are you cerise wonderful thanks so much for having me guys no problem so cerise is an award-winning indie science fiction fantasy and children's book author a serious sci-fi fan i hope you dig our sci-fi vibes here at the dispatch cerise and yes. founder of narazu and virtuous con a virtual sci-fi and comic culture convention that celebrates the best in independent speculative fiction welcome thank you thank you for having me no problem and uh finally this evening um least uh, last but not least as they say um <laughs> tony cade tony in 1994, Tony opened his first comic book and gaming shop location, which has evolved into challenges, games, and comics, and has been going strong ever since. In 2002, he became one of the founding members and editor-in-chief of Terminus Media, which was composed of creators from art classes and screenwriters groups that met in the game room of his shop. In 2014, Tony started the Atlanta Sci-Fi and Fantasy Expo. This free-to-the-public event regularly has 50 vendors and over 60 hours of panels, workshops, and performances. Tony, welcome, sir. Hey, happy to hear you. Great, and you are live from your store this evening. Oh, yeah, I was actually uh, doing the comic book orders for the month, you know. Oh, here we go, yeah. I'm doing a comic order for the month. Nice. That's I'm awesome. still here at the shop working, having fun. And Tony, I want to give you just a, a moment of privilege here, too, because you have a Kickstarter that's running right now also. You want to tell us about that? Oh, yeah. Well, we've got uh, a Kickstarter. It's called the Fox Chronicles. It's uh, actually a comic book character that I uh, re-envisioned uh, back from when I was working in my Terminus Media days. 
And uh, last year, I had a few artists that had worked with me in the past that wanted me to uh, let them do some new stories with the character. And I was like, I don't know if I want to like do anything else with that character right now, but how about if we re-envision her and go in a different direction to sell some new stories? And that's how you know we wound up doing the Fox Chronicles. Nice. Very cool. And you can find that various places. I know Tony has it on his pages. Uh, Robert Jeffrey has it on his pages. You can find that to support or to search the Fox Chronicles on Kickstarter and it should come up. So it looks very good. Um, I did back it, um, just so you know. Thank you um, very much. <laughs> so first up this evening, uh, we're going to jump right into our headline. So all of our headlines this evening. Man, I love you guys. Graphic. I mean, man, we got to talk after this, Brett. I need, I need a tutorial. I'm serious. That makes me want to do a show. I will answer all questions. Don't worry. <laughs> so this evening we have all con-related, um, con-related news articles, specifically for our wonderful guests this evening. And our first one up here is, um, you know. Live Comic Cons are returning, and that's good news for local pop culture vendors. So let's just talk a little bit. I mean, you all each host a con. You all each have vendors at that con. Um, I'm assuming you've been in touch with some of them over this past year. Um, and I do hope that as in-person cons return, they're um, returning cautiously and maybe smaller and um, masks required, hopefully. Um, but as they do start to return more and more, um, how how do you think the time off will change the con and the vendors' approach to cons? Anybody can jump in. <laughs> anybody, anybody, no, anybody, anybody, go first. Well, I'll go ahead and uh, speak on that one. Um, I think that the public is starved for cons, but I also believe that a lot of people who attend cons are a little bit wiser than the general population. So a lot of them probably aren't going to start streaming to the cons until they feel a little bit safe. Uh, I heard that there was a con uh, this weekend here in Atlanta that was attended by quite a few people. And I'm like, there's no way I would have went to that con, mm -hmm. you know, even with masks, especially right now with people just starting with the vaccines. Yeah. You know, I've already pretty much made the decision until I feel safe that, you know, my patrons are going to be safe. I'm not going to even try to schedule another event. Right. Yeah. Cerise, you want it? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with Tony. It's about scale. I mean, I think as we are starved, we can't wait to meet our readers, meet our fans. We're looking forward to that. But I try to imagine going to an event, you know, with 50,000 people. Mm -hmm. And I, I really cannot... I can't even wrap my mind around how that would happen. Yeah. Far more for going to something like New York Comic Con, which I used to do, you know, every year since 2012. Mm -hmm. Hundred and eighty thousand people. Mm -hmm. I just so I think we got to start small. We're all looking forward to it, but I think we're going to start small and then grow. And it's going to take us, I think, years mm -hmm. to get back to the cons as we're used to. And even then, I don't know, you know, I think we're all going to carry a mask in our back pocket. 
Mm. You know, I will. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, when you think about being in a space for three, four days mm-hmm. with 30, 40,000 people. Right. Vaccine or not. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. You, you want to be safe. Yeah. yeah. Master, you're be the new fashion statement. Uh, yeah, all it is, you know what I'm saying? But, and I agree with everybody on that. I mean, it's like a lot of people still ask the question, and it amazes me when I even get the question. I'm like, I know y'all want to go, but are you serious? Right? Are you really asking this now? And it's only 2021? Like, <laughs> calm down. Like, I'm just like what Sharice just said. Last time I went to something like that was uh, Comic Con in San Diego. I think it was 2016. And uh, whatever year that was, it, Suicide Squad came out. You know? mm-hmm. And when I tell you just, when they had a huge podium and I'll never forget Will Smith came out and all the rest of the guests and you know they're way up on this tower so they could wave at the fans and as soon as they came up there the whole crowd moving one way just shifted the other way and you were getting pushed like whether you wanted to go that way or not and I thought to myself okay so you got that kind of energy with COVID man ain't no way in the world ain't no way in the world it just it don't make no sense right now you know so so, I mean on top of that I know Sharice was saying it was going to be years and that's because I've even um, had people ask me because I, I make comments like, oh, when's the next time you're going to a con? And I'm like, 2023, 2024? Uh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, I'm sticking to virtual, you know. Um, I don't. I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. I know a, a lot of the cosplayers and stuff that that I work with who are who are part of my team. They they want to go to cons, but they're like, uh, no, <laughs> you know. So so in your eyes, when do you think? Like, because I know Sharice, you were saying that you think it's going to take years, and I, I'm looking at 2023, 2024. But when do you think they probably would like kick back up where it's not normal? Because I think normal is out of the, you know, yeah. it's out the window now. But when do you think they'll probably kick back up to where people are doing physical cons more than than uh, virtual? Well, I was talking to a con today about an, a live event they're trying to have in August. Mm-hmm. And, you know, August just feels like a million years away from right now. Yeah, it really does. We don't, we don't know what strength, we don't know where we'll be with vaccinations. I mean, we are hopeful, but we don't know. And then we don't know where we'll be with the different strains of the virus that'll be coming out, yeah. how that yeah. impacts our vaccinations. So, you know, I was talking with them and thinking of about it. <laughs> My question was, what's your safety look like? August is a good time to have something outdoors, isn't it? You know? yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, book fairs are looking pretty good to me right now. Book fairs are outside and there's lots of fresh air, you know. Yep. So I just think um, I'm open to it, but like I said, it depends on the rollout. I mean, I don't it's hard for me to imagine doing something this year. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine it, but it's really hard to imagine. Um, 22 is easier. You're thinking summer. Again, outdoors is good. Yeah. Outdoors. Sci-fi people like fresh air. Let's do that. Right. You, know? right. you take a fishing, Joseph. See, we can, we can all we can yeah. work that out. You know? <laughs> that that part, that might be something I wouldn't mind doing. Like for if it's in twenty twenty two, like if it's outdoors, yeah, outdoor con, because then you have circulation of air, just like you said, fresh air. So mm-hmm. that'd be a little bit better than everybody packed into a building. And like you said, like I've been to cons too, where people see someone famous and then everybody's going that direction, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter <laughs> no matter if you want to or not. And I'm not yeah. trying to get into that with people coughing. And oh. there already was con crud. 
you know, I can only imagine what Con Crud would be like now. That's why I think that mask is going to be in our back pockets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, we know Con Crud, but this is like that plus a hospital visit. So yeah. we're just, you know. Yeah. You might not return from, so no, it ain't no good. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, well, this this is great because it springboards nicely. Um, you know, WonderCon prepares for their virtual debut. Um, so seems like virtual cons are here to stay. Um, how many other cons do you think will continue to have virtual components going forward of the of the major cons? You know, all, yeah. all, yeah, I'd say all of them. And um, you know, on this level of, of smaller independent works that we, you know, I'll say I do. Uh, you know, it's like I actually like this more in some ways, in the weirdest way, I must admit, because for years with the stresses of doing an event, you know, to not like when people, even when people say, you know, what's going to be the date this year, last year, last week, you know what I mean? Typically, mm-hmm. our time is August, and then we do something in February too on this kind of Kofa for Black History Month. I said, look, the whole year is on this kind. And I meant that. And I still mean that. And people don't get it sometimes. They're like, you know, they want to look forward to something. I'm like, don't worry. We'll give you what we're doing right now. We'll give you these interviews and all kind of other special stuff to look forward to with dates to check it out. But don't expect some big, huge what to do that I'm going to stress myself out with. Because I've even seen how people do virtual ones. And if they don't have the fanciness of what I see Brett doing, like, again, Brett, we're going to talk. I'm serious. This is amazing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, you know what I'm saying? It's like I do it on a humble level and just knowing I have my fans that don't care that, you know, I got my comfortable environment behind me instead of some super backdrop or whatever. It's like it works. You know what I mean? And I like the fact that people have accepted that and it's become a norm. I mean, like when you can go on Instagram and any celebrity might just go live any minute and they yeah. Bedroom or in their kitchen, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. why can't I? So it's like, yo, keep it rolling, keep it safe, have fun with it, and let's not get too crazy about the expectations or whatever, you know what I'm saying? As long as the content is quality, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What other thoughts we got on it? Tony, you got anything? Um, like I said, for me, um, as far as the virtual component is concerned, I'm still doing research, you know, and I've participated like this past week. We just had the Gamma Trade Show, which is usually held out in Vegas or Reno, and uh, they did it all virtually. And I actually kind of like like the software and stuff that they were using, you know. So to me, it's pretty much the, the companies have to figure out what's the best software for them to be able to pull off a successful convention, and then for a lot of them. They're like charging for like different components to watch different guests. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm just pretty much like, do I want to pay $30 to, you know, to watch the cast of Buffy talk to each other? You know, you know, but like I said, you know, I, anybody who knows me knows uh, I, I'm, I'm thrifty. You know, I'm still driving a 1996 truck. You know, so it's like, you know, I don't like spending unless it's something that I like really want or really need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to pop up um, Pops Van Zant in the comments says Cromcon this weekend, LOL. <laughs> I've been doing a virtual for a year, a weekly for six months. Check that out. Um, he said in another comment, says shameless plug. <laughs> Thanks for watching, Pops. We appreciate you. 
Um, so let's let's um let's just jump into the meat of everything. Let's jump out of headlines. So we kind of, what's that? I kind of had a question on that too. Uh, yeah, go for it, man. Honestly, going toward what Joseph was saying and also what Tony was saying too. I know Joseph, you were saying Onyx Khan all year long, which I dig that because I know now I do my Silver's uh, So Live, which is every Friday, and you know my Silver's crew and stuff, my Silver's fam, which is what I call them. They love it. They they come in and ask questions about the comics, what to expect, about the characters. But I'm curious though, like, uh, how do you think with now since people are figuring out they can do virtual cons. Mm. Once physicals do come back, do you, how do you feel that will help? Cause now you can probably do like a physical in the summer and do a virtual like twice throughout the winter mm -hmm. and stuff like that to keep that excitement and that engagement for mm. that server con. Like, do you think that is something you would do? Do you think that would be beneficial? Do you foresee other cons doing something like that? Or do you think once physical comes back, people are just like, oh, oh, we're back to indoors, no more virtual. Mm. So. Oh, I, I think there's a place for both. Mm -hmm. I mean, for independent creators, the cost, you know, the barriers to doing a physical event, hosting one yourself is just really prohibitive. But virtually you can get independent artists from all over the world coming together with fans from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, physical cons are great because, you know, we get sort of a, a captive audience and we get to come together. But independent creators have products they need to sell all year. So they need to connect all year. And as we get better and better at doing virtual conventions, it creates an opportunity for them to have a continual conversation like what you're describing with their fan base. And I think, so I think there will be a need and, and a place for both moving forward. I'm excited about it. Excellent. Yeah. I would say to that, that, um... Like, like, you're giving some real good answers. That's got me just bubbling. So <laughs> it's like, all your ideas. yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> I look back to all the years of doing Honest Kind. We're over, you know, we're well over a decade now. And I think about some of the best years and the responses I got from the vendors where literally somebody met somebody just for me putting them next to each other at the right tables. And they end up doing a comic together next year and got the best, yeah. you know, that came out that next year or whatever. All that kind of stuff comes from, you know, that in-person culture. And then the fans, I mean, it's just, you know, you, you can't say enough about what they do. I mean, you know, from the kids that come up with their parents and tell you stories about how much they love it to, you know, the adults of all ages. I mean, you got folk walking in on canes that are still reading comics that, you know, that you, you can't beat that. But at the same time, I think a lot of um, what, what the advantage of virtual is, as long as it's like as long as the other club ain't popping, so to speak, you know everybody will still be willing to do what we're doing right now. That's been the greatest advantage to me is that I can literally go through my Rolodex uh, for kids who don't know what a Rolodex is. Just basically a lot of cards. I can go through it and basically hit up just about anybody. And before the week is over, if not that same day, they're going to get back with me because they all sitting at home just like me or they ain't been out but nowhere to the grocery store or whatever else. Simple thing to do. They're not gone all day. They ain't on set. All my actor friends, I can hit them up. I ain't got to be like, oh, you can't tell me you was on set. I know you ain't on set. You know, it's like, that's the best part about it. But, you know, as soon as more of that starts happening, you know, people going to quickly act like, oh, well, I don't sit at home no more, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I get it. But what's going to be funny about it is I'm, I'm real curious myself of how that's going to balance out. Like, is it going to get to a point where you're going to have to, you're, gonna, you're almost going to be forced to do an in-person event 
just to be out there like everybody else and yeah. get the you know proceeds of that versus always online. You know. Well, the way I look at it, and from what I've been hearing uh, from a lot of independent creators that I've been talking to that have been attending the, di the different virtual conventions, is that it's helping to get their names out there, mm. but they're not getting the sales that they would usually get when they're actually attending a show with people. Right. So I think that probably going forward, like one of the <laughs> things I like to do is actually try to combine the two things where I actually have you know, the physical convention with people meeting and having the booth tables, but then actually also trying to have that virtual element so it can bring in people from like all over the world. That way it gets like that double bounce energy going on. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know that way and stuff, you know, you can get yourself exposed to a wider audience, but mm -hmm. then you can just be talking to somebody one-on-one -on -one and, you know, get that cash flow going. Mm. And something you said, um, I want to let people know, me and Tony, I, I went to Tony's store a few months back and did an interview with him for something else I do called Wheeler Rides, uh, spelled W-E-L-R Rides on, on uh, YouTube. You can check it out. I got a lot of content over there. But basically, it was a ride share company I tried to start right at the beginning of COVID. So naturally, that got started. And I just got, you know, real uh, creative in my mind and said, well, wait a minute, I can still roll and talk and put footage out of me riding around Atlanta and I'm sharing my ride. So that's the concept. And so I still do it. And like, you know, I take a ride to the place. I go wherever I'm going. I did an interview with Tony. And while I was there, he was saying, you know, this, and he wasn't the only one. I talked to some other, you know, folks running comic book shops and related. And they said this is one of their best years last year and this year. Like, you know, a lot of people are coming in because they're, they're sitting at home and they want to read their books. They want to catch up on books. If they're into the game and they're playing more or whatever, where they can get their safe friends over to do stuff. So I get the beauty of that. And I think the one thing I'm curious about, I haven't checked the numbers, but because everybody being home and now the movies are all coming out on HBO Max, et cetera, yeah. you, want, you know what I'm saying? They're going to force me to get a subscription just because what? Like, <laughs> I ain't got one yet. <laughs> you know, I ain't got it yet, but I'm going to have to eventually. I know I am. Uh, it's funny. It's like, and, and, I'll, and I'll drop it as soon as I watch everything I want. Like I do all of <laughs> When the Godzilla come out first. You know, right, right. And they know that. So, like, they set us up for all kinds of stuff to keep us going. So I wonder, you know, I, I almost know their numbers are going to be higher, but I'm curious, mm -hmm. the range of entertainment, like, who's killing it the most right now with all of it being online? Like, is it, the you know, the companies with the movies and everything, the shows? Is it also folks? Amazon's killing it. Who, who's yeah. killing Amazon. it? Amazon's killing it. <laughs> Amazon and Walmart are killing it. Oh, well, okay. And the gaming community. <laughs> oh, yeah. The gaming companies are killing yeah. it. Yeah. And so that so that's the kind of stuff I'm I'm more focused on, just kind of knowing it without even having looked at the direct numbers. Like I've got a you know a friend of honest kind, uh, uh shout out to um oh man, blood sucking gamers. And they're out of Philly. And I just, I kind of consider them one of my game affiliates. Like I did an interview with the guy who runs it years, I mean sometime last year. And, you know, I'll just check in with him every now and then, and he'll give us some advice on what's popping with games. Because, like, I got a system, but I got a PS4, uh, and I ain't about to buy a 5 no time soon. And I just like to know, I just like to keep abreast of what's going on and make my, you know, that part of my fandom know what it is. So, yeah, all of that I can see being advantageous, you know what I'm saying? Very good. Very good. Well, let's jump in and, and move out of headlines here, and let's – um. Let's start with going around and telling everybody out there, because not everybody out there may have heard of your con, and everybody out there may have heard of you. Well, let's start by telling a little bit about your con um, that you organize and what makes it different or unique. 
Let's start with uh, Tony. No. I thought you were going to go with Joseph. I wasn't <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, what makes the Atlanta Sci-Fi Fantasy Expo different? Well, first of all, it's free to the public. Uh, it's basically one of those things that uh, the dealers pay for their dealer tables. And then basically the dealer table fees, which is only $100, pays for the entire show. Mm. You know, that's what we usually rent the tables and the chairs and, you know, any electronic equipment that we need. It's all like refunded and stuff right back into actually running the convention. So when somebody comes to the convention, all the money they have goes straight to the dealers. So that's, you know, one thing that makes my show a little bit different. Also, it started off as like, I guess you can say like a learning convention, a learning expo, because in the very beginning, we had writers and artists and animators who'd come through and they do their panels so that, you know, the next generation or people who had interest in being writers or artists or filmmakers could learn from people who are actually doing it. You know, so it was definitely more of a learning con. And then like over the years, we started adding more fan based things. And actually this, uh, well, last year, before we had to cancel it the week before, you know, because of COVID, because I basically had volunteer staff that worked for the CDC that were working with me. They're like, Tony, there's no way you can do this show. And, you know, I had to go ahead and cancel it because like I said, we had like 60 hours of programming. We had like our first like media guests, you know, and we were like really ecstatic about how the show was going to, you know, do this, you know, that year. But like I said, you know, I couldn't be responsible for, you know, that many people and, the, you know, the chance of illness. So, you know, that's why we had to go ahead and just cancel it. You know, but basically my show was all about learning and basically doing all the cool stuff that you wanted to do at a show without having to drop, you know, a hundred dollars for a membership. I love it. I love it. Cerise. Oh man. Um, I think what makes VirtuousCon different from other virtual conventions is the interaction. Um, you actually get to meet artists. It's not a, a link or um, anything like that. You actually have virtual booths where you go in and you can actually hear from artists. You can talk to them. They can share with you, you know, why they do what they do um, and actually buy directly from them. And um, so I really love the interaction uh, that you get at VirtuousCon. I think um, it actually is designed and looks like a, a sci-fi convention. We were able to customize the floor space and everything. So it actually looks just like you're expecting if you're a sci-fi fan and go to regular, you know, in-person conventions. So we really were excited about that. And I think that's what makes it different. That's really, really cool. Joseph? Raw Honest kind of started in 2009 and at Southwest Art Center. And after doing it at Southwest for so many years and, and just the summer in August, we started also doing what I was saying about Honest Con Sankofa, which was a February event. And even that started with a different name uh, to match something that a good friend of mine, um, John Jennings and um, uh, Jerry Craft, who's a syndicated cartoonist for Mama's Boys, they started something in New York which became the big con that everybody knows that happens at the Schomburg now. Mm -hmm. When that, they were calling it Black Comic Book Days. And it was meant to be a thing in tandem with the King holiday and all of that. And slowly as that grew, they turned it into, uh, I forget exactly what it was, Black Comic Book uh, something at the Schomburg now. They changed their name too. But I remember I changed my, I said, um, I'm just going to keep, you know, with the branding of Honest Con and go back to 
the Adinkra symbol, symbology of what Sankofa means, which is to go back and fetch it. So meaning you know your past so that you can move forward into your future. So that was the whole concept of that. And that was it was really funny because Sankofa got to the point from the moment we started, I mean, it was always successful, but by the time we did it at um, Wolf Creek Library, because I've always had a good relationship with the Atlanta Fulton Public Library System also, uh, we packed it. I remember it was like a Valentine's weekend, and I knew I was taking a risk to do it on Valentine's weekend, but families loved it. It was like, you know, again, my, my crowd is mostly family folk. I do have some singles too and all that. But because of that, like, folk were bringing the kids, folk, you know, something to do. This is the date, you know, all that kind of thing. So it got packed. And we were averaging about 200 to 300 for Sankofa. And we always averaged about 500 to 400 on the weekend in August with the regular Honest Con. So, you know, over the years, it got to the point where a lot of people would get confused. They think, wait a minute, wasn't it in February? And I'd just be like, it's both of them. You know, just, just make sure you're there. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, by the time we were really making a name for ourselves, like, you know, you know, when you're doing it right, when you go out and you're putting out your flyers. And I used, I did most of that, uh, I can proudly say myself, proud and uh, stressful to think, dang, I did all that, like, you know, going store to store, putting out all these flyers every year. And you start handing them out and people say, oh, yeah, the honest kind of, I know about this. You know, anything they may say is like, I just wish I could go. I'm always at work. You know, it's like those kind of situations where you feel so proud and you know that it's established and everybody knows. Yeah. Um, and then I'm an actor and a writer and a producer. I was a visual artist most of my life, drawing, painting, sculpting, photography, the whole nine. Uh, I did comics, a few independent books, my own titles and stuff. And then when I started Honest Con, it just kind of took over in a natural way. And, um, and I let it. It was like a, a natural transition to, you know, I went through a divorce and some other things. I was single. So when the Atlanta film biz came here, it was just like... Mm -hmm. I'm going like this was another dream of mine. I can't believe it just landed in my lap. Like for real, I can do this. So I went into that. Uh, no regrets. I've had some incredible experiences. I, I was in. Um, I had a small second at the end of Black Panther. A lot of people still saw me when he was doing the speech when Chadwick was doing the speech to the crowd in the UN. And uh, so that's an honor to have been there and seen him work. Um, I did Black Lightning. Um, did multiple episodes. Worked very closely with Christine Adams that plays the wife on the show. And she actually came out and was a part of Honest Con the last time we could do it live. Uh, also, who came out, uh, Miles Truitt, who played uh, Body Bag Boy, if you watch the show, you feel me? Um, and Miles is just, you know, a great talent. He's about to do a lot of amazing stuff. So, you know, to work with those kind of people and have them be a part of Honest Con. And then COVID, it's like, damn, we just cooking with grease. Like, in terms of, you know, we were already cooking hot, but I'm saying we finally got to that point where... I got friends that will just come. I ain't even got to pay them a day in town. The biz is here. They just come through to get that love, you know, and then mm -hmm. So, hey, it is what it is. But like I said, no regrets because everybody still looks out for whatever we're going to do because we're, you know, constantly growing it. Um, and I don't know, you you know, Sharice mentioned something earlier. I got to say, she said, uh, maybe you can take us fishing. I want to make people know what that meant. I yeah. Do a, yeah, I do a thing called the Honest Con Fishing Tournament that started last year because of COVID. I've always fished my whole life. I've, I've always been outdoorsman. My father put that in me, and it's just as much a part of me as it is him. Uh, he'll forever be Obi-Wan. I'm, I'm Luke, you know, but I'm saying, like, you know, I got out there and I started doing my thing hardcore, and I enjoyed 2020 in that way for, like, more fishing and more amazing fish I've ever caught in my life because I had time to do it. So I kept it going and we made it an official online thing. And now I know I get people, it's funny, every time I post something about fishing on the Instagram, which we have the highest followers, we're up to 12.5 now. 
And I like, I'm just looking, I'll see like they all they all a hundred and something looking at what we normally post, but then I get the fishing stuff. I know they sitting there like it'd be like 15, like, what's he talking about fishing again for? Him? <laughs> it's gonna keep coming, and I ain't worrying about y'all because y'all gonna understand one day when I'm out on the lake with the rock Dwayne Johnson or Michael Jordan or all these other people who fish, okay. You'll feel me. You'll understand that. And when I'm doing that <laughs> interview on the lake versus just always in a house again, you know, whatever. Yep. We're just doing a little something different because that's what we are. We're different. Yes. I love it. I love it. So oh, let's, I just um, want to go ahead and say while we're on our with, with the studio audience, how much I enjoy Joseph's performance on Black Lightning. It's like <laughs> the man was that like no speaking lines, just facial expressions. <laughs> Had me rolling. <laughs> Had me rolling. Oh, it, it was so much fun. Oh, I had to thank you again, man, in front of everybody. I now, now I need to know what episodes you were that's, in. That's yeah, sincere, for real, right? That's sincere. Yeah, Tony did. He did thank me like that for real uh, when I interviewed him at the store. But no, what he's talking about is the episode, I think it's um, season three, episode 11. It's it, And I'm not going to give it away, but I'll just say when, if you know the show, you know uh, the character that played um, Painkiller. He, he had gotten caught up. He's in the hospital and the wife's character, Dr. Lynn, comes with her crew from her lab to come check on him. And the, and the hospital's trying to block and say, you know, you can't come treat a patient without authority. And she's gotten paperwork like, yes, I can. And as soon as she, the lady is giving her, and the lady's kind of like a caring character, if you feel me. So the <laughs> she's giving her all this drama. And she's and like, when, as soon as she starts her stuff, my character just kind of looks over at one of our other people and crew like, you see this? You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, thank you, Tony, I appreciate you, man. That was, I have to shout out um, my man, uh, oh man, names in this business, Lord, so many people. It'll come back to me at the end of the interview. Anyway. All of a sudden, I'll shout out a name. <laughs> Tom Hardy from Rainforest Films back in the day, and then he started doing his own thing when the two of them split and started doing separate stuff. But Tom Hardy, if you know, if Rob Hardy, that's what I'm saying, Tom. Rob Hardy, he does a lot of stuff directed nowadays, and he did that episode. And ironically, uh, you know, he, he just gave me that moment. It was like, I did it. Just when, you, when you're doing background, you learn, look, I'm featured. Let me figure out something to get this moment. <laughs> you know, you develop your own character for what they don't give you in lines. And I just, I just naturally thought, okay, what would this dude do in this moment? When I did that, he said, keep doing that. Just, just keep doing that. So it made it. So that's beautiful. <laughs> that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the planning process of cons, because I'm sure this is a massive undertaking, right? To, to plan out a weekend of panels and vendors and, and the guests. Um, what goes into the planning process of planning a, a con? Um, what do you love? What do you hate? Um, what do you wish you could pay somebody else to do? Um, <laughs> Cerise, let's start with you this time. Oh, man. Um, well, first, I mean, as a, a con lover, you're thinking about the experience and how do you make the experience as memorable, as unique, as true to what we love about cons. So you're trying to distill that down. As a vendor, I love talking with potential readers, you know, as an author. So I wanted to have an experience where uh, an artist could actually interact with the audience because that's what I look forward to when I'm in a con. When we were thinking about the panels, it was, I think of panels as, as you know, it's, it's entertainment and it's fun and we get to come and discuss, you know, what we love about fandom, but also as an artist, it's a way to give back 
because a lot of people have shared with me their expertise, which helped me become a better writer, you know, a, a more confident, you know, artist, um, find my voice, all of that, sell my work. And so I love being a part of panels because I get to share what I know with the next generation of folks um, and to be a part of that virtuous circle. Um, and so I think I started, the planning starts there with what is the experience that you love and what do you want to share with other people so that they have that same sort of feeling like, oh yeah, this feels familiar to me. This is what I love. And it's about interaction because we're not really watchers. We're, we're not a passive group as sci-fi fans. We want to be a part. You know, when somebody buys your comic, they almost feel, or they support your Kickstarter, they almost feel a part of it. They own a piece of this. They come back to you year after year. Yeah, about this character or this, you know, whatever this thing that you created. And they have a piece of ownership in that. So there needed to be an element of exchange because we're not watchers. That's not how we interact with this space. We, we own it. We love it. Yeah. And so keeping that in mind, then you start looking at platforms. What's going to give you that experience? Um, so, you know, we picked remo.co uh, because it had a lot of elements. It's not perfect, but it had a lot of elements that we could customize to make it what we needed it to be. Um, and then pounding the pavement. There's a whole getting the word out so everybody knows this was our first we had a beta launch with 15 vendors and 50 people in October. And then our next event was in February, which was exponentially bigger on every level. And so, um, you know, getting the word out so that people knew that it was going to happen and then approaching people who I really loved and respected as artists to be a part of those panels. And then it just sort of spiraled. But I think, the biggest part is just having a team. I had an incredible team helping me with the, the launch of Virtuous Con in February, and that made all the difference. But I think, yeah, the planning starts with sort of what do you love about this space? And then how do you create that for, for your audience? That's awesome. Tony, what would you add to that? What, what planning aspects go into to the Atlanta Sci-Fi and Fantasy Expo that you love and which go into it that you hate? <laughs> Okay, well, for me, as far as like adding to that, it's kind of hard to add to it. But uh, for me, you got to have yourself an MVP. Okay, your most valuable person. Okay, and for me, it is a young woman named Tanya Woods. Okay, <laughs> for those of you who know Tanya Woods, this woman does not let you half step. Okay, sure. if she's going to be involved with something, oh, it's going to be done right. And, you know, it's one of the things that she even said to me and stuff about my Kickstarter, you know, and it's like, you kind of like look at like how people have like, you know, certain flaws that wind up being strengths. You know, she was pointing out, it's like, Tony, you know, I don't mean it's a negative way, but you seem to have a problem with dealing with the possibility of failure. You know, of course, I looked at her, I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, your point is, you know, and, you know. And we work really, really well together because I don't like the possibility of failing. I want to stack the deck as much as possible to make sure I don't fail on anything. And then she's basically quality control. She makes sure that everything is done the way it needs to be. She's like, you know, if you can't do it perfectly, fake it and make it look like it's perfect. <laughs> you know, so basically, you know, when I first did the first show, I had the idea of doing it 
just because I was hanging around with some other people and stuff that have been doing shows around town. And I'm like, you know, little ego got in there like, well, those guys can do a show. I can do a show. And I actually literally had planned on doing one show. <laughs> All right. And then after the show was over with, we were sitting there sweating, folding the tables and everything. And all of a sudden, Tanya and Mike Hennigan and, you know, came in bliss. He was doing gaming. They're all talking about, oh, man, and this is what we can start an app for next year. And I was like, next year? You know, <laughs> next thing I know, five years later, we're still doing the show, you know. Yeah. And that's because of my staff, you know. It's like, basically, I say, okay, this is what I want to add to it. And they're like, oh, well, this is how we can make it happen. And, you know, for me, it's the fun of working with a team. Because I'm basically like a team player. If you basically come to me about something, I actually don't want to be in charge of anything. I just want to be part of a team. But, you know, if need be, I can, you know, jump to the head of the line and basically play figurehead. But as long as I'm part of a good team, I'm happy. And like I said, you know, going and having a show that had like 60 hours worth of programming, and then working with Tanya and putting that complex schedule together and then, you know, making sure that, you know, our 50 plus vendors are all happy and, you know, taken care of and making money. It's like, you know, when you come to my show, I go to like everybody's table. And I still remember that first show. It's I went and was talking to all these dealers and they were having such a good time making money. And they're like, well, when's the next show? Can you do one in six months? I'm like, six months? Are you crazy? No, I'm not doing one in six months. This is a lot of work. You know, and I can pay for this. You know, I'm just like, no, you know. So, you know, to, to me and stuff is like, it's, you know, my thrill is making my vendors happy because the vendor is happy, makes the show work good, and they get a good reputation. But basically, you know, creating and getting like the, that new talent to meet this author. And then the next thing you know, you know, next year they showing up with a book or they showing up with a comic. You know, that's what I get out of it. You know, just watching, awesome. you know, the, the fandom spread. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Joseph, what about you? I'm going to start with uh, saluting and, and giving more of the parade for the lady known as Tanya Woods, because she's a good friend of HonestCon, too. And I met Tanya because of Terminus Media participating at HonestCon since the first run. They went, how many years did Terminus come out, Tony? I forget, man. It's been a it's been a few. At least the first four, wasn't it? At least, at least. And so every time, you know, I would see Tanya with the crew, and she's just, you know, a total sweetheart. And, you know, I didn't ever have a really good chance to talk to her until many years later after not just honest. I can't remember how exactly we finally got a chance to kind of sit down and talk. But I do remember we had one good long conversation. I was like, you're cool as hell. And then I was like, why are you so cool? And it's like, what's your sign? I'm a Virgo. You a Virgo too? Ah, so, so that's why she do everything right, Tony. It's just what it is. She's a Virgo. She can't help it. She can't help it. But anyway, um, Tony, what's your sign? I'm just curious. Scorpio. Word, word. And and, and uh, what are you, Cerise? I'm a Scorpio, too. Scorpio, there it is. There you go. You walk up and down, you got to get a Scorpio to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to finish the question, but I just want to ask real quick. Tyre and Brett, what are yours? I'm a cancer. Okay, word, word. I am a Virgo Libra cusp. Look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> no, it never fails, man. Like people that I tend to have a certain energy with and just, you know, the way Brett has supported on this kind of stuff, it makes sense. And I got a lot of cancer friends, for real, a lot of them. And it's in my chart. You know how you do a chart and all that? I got a lot yep. of cancer. Oh, cancer, 
mom, dad, boom, and long-term girlfriend. All It's real, y'all. It's real. But anyway, um, so you know, it's all about the team, like Tony said. And when you got good people like that, you know, Tanya was very supportive of honest kind. She would come out and cosplay as because she loves to cosplay and she builds stuff like for real, for real. Um, we have a character that a good friend of ours, Mace, James Mace Mason, did called the Sankofa Lady, which became kind of like the lady avatar for Honest Khan Sankofa and for Honest Khan in general. And he did a comic for it too called um, Sankofa uh, Guard. Check that out. And his comic book coming is Urban Style Comics. But anyway, she dressed up for the, she was the first person to ever do the Sankofa Lady in, in cosplay. You know? And it was awesome. It really was. It really was. And she was kicking herself because the thing lit up, but she didn't have time to get it to light up by the time she go to the con. You know, how oh, no. yeah. Yeah. wanted everything to be right. I'm like, Tanya, you don't even know how amazing you look right now. It don't matter if the lights are on. It's like, <laughs> you know, so that's what's up. Um, but like he's saying, it's all about the team and just everybody who always supported Honest Con at Southwest Arts Center. If it weren't for the staff of all the years we did it there, there's no way in the world we ever would that. And the same with the library because the beauty of our relationship was. We weren't officially a nonprofit until 2020. On purpose, I strategically kept thinking to myself, do I want to do that? Do I want to do that? Then it just made sense. We had built enough of a name that can't nobody deny it. You got some money for us because we deserve it. You know, we've been doing the work. And, and we can prove all of what we've done for so many people in our communities, plural. So, yeah, it's like uh, between the library and Southwest Art Center, I always knew when it comes time to get it in, when I come in, you know, the month before or the month of, People, <laughs> people hitting up the comments. I'll get to that. But <laughs> when, when, when uh, you know, when folks coming in and they see me and they just like, yeah, it's your turn because they've done the kids camp, they do it Southwest Art Center and all the other stuff. And it's like, now the building is yours. And I literally had carte blanche for the most part. I could use whatever I needed for whatever. So that makes all the difference in the world. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, the rest of the year, it ain't bragging. You know, it ain't ego. It's just you know, heavy is the crown for real. It was me. You know, um, you know, uh, credit to my ex when we were married. She did a hell of a lot. But, you know, when, once that ship sailed, it was me. And it still is. You know, I still do 90 whatever percent of everything that people see for the most part. Um, but I don't stand as an island. I'm still a team because if it ain't for people like yourselves giving these kind of opportunities and people, you know, building the content that we repost on Instagram, we wouldn't have the followers we have. We wouldn't have the ability to do, you know, a film festival. We have an art show. We have, uh, you know, the vendors, of course. And the vendors are everything. You know, that was, that really was the income that kept on this kind of flow. And when this, I mean, now that's why it's so important being a nonprofit that we get it, you know, through donations because we're definitely not getting it that way. And I've, I've made it, you know, even different with, the, I used to do a lot of free interviews online with the virtual thing. Now I'm like, look, uh, we're going to need this much <laughs> for you to get an interview. And it's gonna be worth it because you know I'm giving you other incentives too. So, you know, we just building like that, man. But it's it's it never ends. You know, that's why I say you know I love being able to say when is it? It's all year long now. Oh yeah, and it's whenever I feel like getting on there and doing a live because I'm gonna post every day. But when y'all see me, is when I have the energy and everything else in life is level enough for me to do this comfortably. You know. Very cool. Very cool. Um, hold on just a second for me. I'm going to ask you a question like I yell at my kids because my dog is standing by me. He apparently needs to go out. Um, <laughs> this, this is what I'm saying about doing it. Yes, this is what I'm talking right? about. Yes, so, so what's one thing no one ever asks you, but you think is a really important part of putting on a con? 
um, I'm interested to hear. Joseph, let's start with you. Let's keep the train going. Well, well, to quickly answer that one question we had in the chat, somebody asked me about uh, my old school character. When uh, forget, I, I can't see the question now, but anyway, it says something about uh, when are you going to bring back Brother Yams? Brother Yams is my character. There it is. Time for <laughs> Brother Yams. So Brother Yams is a character I created. And I want to say, if I'm correct of my own years, wow, it's crazy. You got to remember. I think it was 2005 it came out officially. And um, before that, I had a ash can that was related to that story with a way too long title and a whole lot of lessons learned about how to get your book into a comic book shop. Uh, like never put mature readers on it just because you got a little bit of cussing and some folk fighting real bad. That is That don't translate in comic book shop language. They're like, oh, this has got stuff like sex in it? Like, no, no, no. It's, oh, you know, but I, I had my first book and went through that drama and then I did Brother Yams, which was like the main character from it. And it was, it was basically a futuristic, um, somewhat apocalyptic story after a major, um, I, I mixed everything I love, y'all. I, I literally put everything I love into this book. So you have giant monster kaiju stuff like Godzilla and stuff going on. Okay. And after that, the Earth is totally different. If you can imagine, it's kind of like what happened in After Earth, the Will Smith movie that people dissed that they still should see because it should be a cult classic. It was legendary. It was great. I don't care what nobody says. Um, but the way they described the Earth in that movie, how it was abandoned by humans because the Earth became hostile to humans because of how much mess people had done to the Earth. Yeah. Kind of the same concept. I had this eco-culture thing, except instead of all of us being gone, we're still there, but in very small, small comparatively groups. Like if, if literally the only people in Georgia were in all of what is considered a city in Georgia, and that's it. Like you had to go to those areas and that's it. Like all over the world. That's how people are. Like we're little ant mounds amongst the jungle. That's how I always mm. describe it. And so um and then there's you know the most popular sport was uh professional wrestling. And and uh, and just like the mythology of professional wrestling, you have politics and all kind of other iconography of what's going on in real society played out in the ring. But instead of it just being for entertainment, it's real circumstances. Like somebody lose a match, somebody actually might lose a territory or something and all kind of crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, you feel me? So like it, Yeah, that's like the Olympic, you use wrestling as the like like war almost. Yeah, in its own you way. Know? In its own way. Because in and the and the funniest thing about it all is human stuff is so irrelevant because nature is so I mean, we're, we're part of nature. I'm not somebody who believes we're separate. We are part of it. We just deny that, uh, some of us. And so, and that's the issue because when you deny that, you get this kickback. And so as the world has become this more hostile for the rest of flora and fauna against us, we're fighting to survive amongst each other. And a character like Yams is in tune with that one with natureness. And his whole theory when he comes to the ring is like, look, we really don't have time for this. Like all this human stuff that we bickered about for so many days, it's over, y'all. We we are almost to the point of total annihilation. Y'all still want to do the same old stuff over and over, just repeat the same cycles of hatred and, and politics. None of this matters anymore. It's over. <laughs> so that's kind of where Yams is like. And wow, to hear myself even say this out loud, I haven't talked about it like this in a long, long time. So I'm glad I got that question because I still want to do it. And the best answer I can give is it's going to have to be a movie. Because now that I'm in is, and with the stuff I've seen, after you don't worked on a Marvel set and all that stuff and seen what money like that can do, I'm not saying I need that much of a budget. Hell, I could take a crumb of what a Marvel budget is and make you think it was a Marvel movie. You feel? So this is another reason why Honest Con is 
asking so much to bring it back of, you know, why we need this budget. Because I want to pay people to work through the Honest Kind of Film Festival and actually put out films. Okay. Yes. Like, you know, Sundance Film Festival puts out films. I want to put out films. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, real quick and stuff, uh, before we jump on that, I was going to just mention the stuff that I, you don't really need a big budget to do stuff. You just need some really good editors. Because when they were, I was watching them actually film uh, Cobra Kai. Because Mm -hmm. I don't know how many of you have seen this stuff, but, you know, uh, was it, I think episode five, season six of Cobra Kai was actually a fight scene that actually starts here in the store. But they basically were shooting with one camera. Mm -hmm. Even when it spilled out into the food court, they were doing one camera, multiple cuts. And I'm sitting there watching this like, man, this doesn't seem impressive at all. You know, you know, maybe trying to say it out loud because I was actually like, you know, standing right next to Ralph Macchio, you know, <laughs> you know, when, when, when I was watching it, you know, but when that footage hit the screen and I saw it, yeah, I'm like, yeah, you don't need a lot of money. You just need talent. Yeah. Yeah. Now, were they shooting? Uh, do you remember? If they were, I don't know if you know the terms, but was it a steady cam with the with the bodysuit and the arm on the camera to hold it as the guy was shooting? No, it wasn't a steady cam. Okay. Okay. Wow. They were going for a hardcore, you know, walk with it look. Okay. Yeah, man. You know, like I said, all the different cuts and stuff. And like I said, they they did this one take at least twelve times. No, I think the actors repeated the same lines at least twelve times from different angles, That's from the, the viewpoint of different characters. Like you see one thing and stuff where the other everybody else be talking and they be doing a close up of one person's face the yep. entire thing. Yep. The dude ain't saying nothing. Okay, but this is facial expressions. They're sitting there for the entire take filming him. And, you know, the way they edit together the fight scenes, man, that just looks so awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. That's how it is. And I've worked on Cobra Kai, so I know exactly what you're talking about. But, yeah. Cerise, one thing about planning a con that no one ever asked you that you think is important. I was going to say the one thing, it takes more time than you imagine. It takes a lot more time. If you think you're working all night, you're working all night and all day. <laughs> so um, I guess if you're thinking about it, re- really, really plan for the time that it takes mm-hmm. to do to do the best job that you can. But the good news is after all of that, it's worth it. Well, and and Dan Schmidt wants to know for first time vendor book creator, um, what what to expect at a con? What are the pitfalls? Um, you mean virtual or or I assume virtual? Or... Let's go. Let's go. Any. Yeah, both. Whoever wants to answer, and however you want to answer, it's cool with me. I know your pitch. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to talk. Yes, know your pitch. You know. You have maybe less than three seconds. Three seconds is generous. When somebody clicks on your booth, if it's virtual or comes to your booth in person and they go, what are your books about? Or what's your comic about? You cannot be looking for what to say. Know your pitch, memorize it. And you need several versions. You need a 10 second version a 20 second version and then the, I'm going to buy this book and I want to talk. I just want to know all about it. And that version is no more than 45 seconds mm-hmm. because you want to pause and give them a chance to 
ask questions and interact. So I think more than anything else, knowing your pitch for what it is you're selling is the element that is, it's the simplest. And it's the one where I see people fall down all the time. Yeah. And I realize I didn't answer the question because I was answering the fans' question in the comments, but <laughs> but I'll answer this one. Um, I would say that you know, for most vendors, the biggest misconception I've seen, I think this is just in general for business, is people thinking they have to. It's kind of what Tony was just saying about how Hollywood does stuff. People think now it's not to say it wasn't complex when you watch. He told you how many times they shot that scene. It's a lot that goes into it. But if you're thinking that every time it requires the biggest camera, the the, the whatever studio environment within uh, on location scene or whatever, no, a lot of times they'll work within. What I've seen the Moses, they'll take something that's abandoned and turn it into what they want it to be. You know, if you're not looking at the, you can't see the rest of what's going on. It's black mold and stuff falling out the ceiling in a corner. But what you see, it's like a nightclub. You know what I mean? They do all. <laughs> They do all kind of stuff. So it's like, it's amazing. And that taught me, you know, get it done as long as what you have can get it done, you know. And a lot of artists that have come to me and in, in over the years will a lot of times say, you know, I'll sometimes reach out to people if I find something that I think is, I know it's there. I know it's got the potential to go ahead and be somebody who can be behind the table. I say, you should get a table at Honest Con. And they're like, oh, my book ain't finished. I said, I saw that the book ain't finished. I don't care. You need to be an honest guy. He's like, well, what am I going to put on my table? You're an artist, right? Yeah. You got a writer, right? Yeah. Sit down. What she just said, do your log, line, as they say in the biz, do your log line and your synopsis if somebody wants the longer version of what your book is about. Have Sit there and sketch. Do, and I know somebody I'm thinking of who did, a lot of folks that did this, they didn't have anything other than the artist was sketching all day, doing sketches. He may have done a few commissions. He had some uh, prints of some cleanups he had done of the characters or what things are going to look like, just like you would have if you were doing an in-person Kickstarter, so to speak. Like, this is the concept. This is what you can expect. And people were taking their cards left and right. All they had was business cards. Taking their flyer, whatever. That's it. By the time next year came, man, we sold out. I bet you did. You know what I'm saying? Because you were already, you were always quality. You just got to believe in it, first of all. And then you got to understand, that, like I said, you don't have to have it all. You know, there's a lot of stuff people buy, and especially if you want to talk about, you know, just take it to the other ways you can do something. Don't get trapped in the, I really stress this, don't get trapped. If you're doing a comic book, don't get trapped in just a comic book. It is an intellectual property, period. Mm -hmm. don't, you know what I'm saying? I, I literally, I did an interview one time, and I'm not going to put him on black because he's still my homie, but I, I felt bad for him in the interview because I thought to myself, does he know who's in this interview right now looking at this? A Hollywood friend of mine came in while we were live. I was checking this. This is somebody who's known to be an actor, but they also do producing. It does some indie stuff, you know what I'm saying? With, you know, take a few thousand and make something incredible, you know? And this was the first time they had seen this person's concept in this live. And I and I mentioned, I gave a shout out to the guy to make sure he knew this is who's in here. Kind of like, this is your chance to plug your thing, you know? And I said, Hey, you know, I pretty much got fed him a question. I said, uh, is Hollywood approaching you about this yet? Well, I'm not really worried about that. I just want to focus on doing the best comic book. And I said, yeah, I respect that. But I want you to understand something. And, this, and I'm going to take it away from just that scenario and say for all, don't get trapped in that mentality. It is an IP, an intellectual property. If all you have is a turnaround in your character, 
and it's tighter than most folk with some mess on some loose sleeve that don't look like nothing, you got skills and it's tight, somebody might approach you and say, hey, you know, we want to put this on a T-shirt or whatever and cut you the proper deal. And you can get that first bread from just a T-shirt. Then nobody even know it went with a comic book. But everybody's walking around with your T-shirt on. You feel? Like, think about how many things in your life you bought or back in the day when you was a teenager got hot in high school. And I ain't one for trends, but I used to see it and laugh. I'm like, what is that? And it was hot for a month or so, and everybody done got paid off or whatever that was. And then later on, you find out it turns into something else that it never was when it first came out. It just it just grows from that one thing. So that's the way to look at it. And don't get trapped. That's all. Just keep your mind open to the possibilities. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, know, I know for me, from the creator standpoint, what you said, Sharice, uh, with, with the uh, pitch, that saved me a lot. Uh, I know it cons the one story that what was, of course, a Yamo Stigmata, you know, which pretty much people come up and they'll see it and they're like, oh, what's this about? I'm like a Tuskegee Airman gets whisked off to the other side of the galaxy during World War II by two Foo Fighters. Out. And they're like, wait, Tuskegee Airmen in space? Yes. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> you know, and I tell everybody all the time, you know, it's like, you gotta have those log, like I call them log lines, kind of in Hollywood. That's when that's where I come. I come from script writing into comic book writing. Yeah. But I have that for every one of my stories. As soon as I get an idea, first thing I do is write out a log line. Dope. And then I move from there, you know, just so I can have it to pitch it to someone. So yeah, that's very important because I've seen people like tables be beside me, and I've seen people do that. I've seen oh, people, like, uh, it's uh, 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 you know, it and it's just like I want to say. Just say something. <laughs> you know, well, I don't, you know, see, I don't, I don't play with that. I'll pull them aside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, Good for you. Listen, yeah. you need yeah. to go to the bathroom. You need to get yourself together. <laughs> I know how much you paid for this table because I'm sitting right next to you. Just uh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it, and I'm, I'm really passionate about it. Actually, yeah. probably mm-hmm. tell. I'm very really passionate about it, and particularly with um, young creators. Yeah. Everyone's saying, oh, you can't do it. You can't, you're never going to do this. You're never going to sell your books. You're never going to make your booth feedback. You know, I was that person. Mm-hmm. And so I know that they don't know what they're talking about, but you just have to be prepared. Yeah. And yeah. You know, so many of us are introverts. So actually getting there and talking about our stuff can be hard if you're an introvert which is why your pitch is even that much more important because you don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about how you're nervous. You don't think about, so, so someone says, what's your book about? And you spit it, spit it out. That's it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to be confident. You don't have to be sure. You just have to memorize it. And when somebody says, what's your book about? What's your comic about? You spit it out. Yep. It's, it's just discipline. It's just training. I've had vendors come back at me, be like, well, what kind of books do you like? Because they want to hear what I like to try to spin their book in whatever I tell them I like. And no, I want to know what your book is about, man. Like, (laughs) come on, tell me what your book is. It's like like you can lead to that after the fact, after you tell them. Because, like, that's what my conversations usually go is like, you go to that and they're like, oh, I don't like sci fi too much. And I'm like, well, I have this other one that's more military, like, it's an anti terrorist unit that's reactivated, you know, when, when when a terrorist organization attacks a city. And they're just like, wait. Terror. Let, let me check that one out. And I'm like, okay, here you go. Then I have another one. I'm like, oh, this one is a, is a far in the future. Um, it's about the Earth, you know, getting taken over by aliens, and now they have these mechs called Orisha. So they use those to fight back against them. Yeah. So people like, so I've had people turn like, oh, the Orisha. I'm like, yep, and they're mechs. <laughs> you know, so it's like it's all about pitching. Like you say, you got to have that that quick one. You know, and yep. that that one I've noticed for me helps 
whenever I'm caught, <laughs> you know, because like I'm talking about one book and then they'll be like, but what about this one? And it's like, you got to change that's right. from that one to this one. Then it's like, oh, mm -hmm. okay, that's a rock band and they're superheroes. You know, and that's my quick one, <laughs> you know? So it's like, and that's what I'm talking about stars is another one of my titles. And they're like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of cool, you know, but it helps. It helps so much. And I hope people are, you know, comic book creators are doing that. And I'm glad you all said that because mm -hmm. it does help. <laughs> Let's uh let's let's head towards wrapping up. We'll do one more question here before we record the patron only question. Um, after the show, if you're not a patron, you should become one because we'll be asking our guests a question um that they will answer that um only patrons will get the answer to. And that question tonight is going to be one tip for creators who want to be a panelist at a con but aren't getting those invites. If you want to know their answer to that, you got to be a patron. We'll be recording that next. But to wrap up with the live show. Um, how can panelists and vendors be more supportive or helpful of the con organizer? Well, let, let me jump in real quick. I want to make sure before I like lose track of the other points. Uh, we were talking about uh, what questions I would like people to ask me yeah. know, at the con that they don't. The number one thing is, how can I help? Mm. Okay, that's the main thing I want to hear people ask me is how they can help. You know, what what are their ideas of making it better and what can they do themselves to help make it better? All right. So let me see. I got that one out the way. Uh, plus, I wanted to add on uh, the, something else that was brought up about being a vendor at a show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. You, you got to have your, your pitch and you have to make sure that even if you're there, you've got somebody working with you. As soon as someone steps in front of your table, they are the most important person in your life. Okay, if you're reading a book, if you're knitting, whatever you're doing, you're talking to the person next to you, as soon as somebody steps in front of your table, you need to be talking to them. You need to strike up a conversation. All right. And like I said, you know, you want to find out, you know, like I said, you know, you can have a conversation and control and ask them what they like. And then basically have multiple things on your table to point them to after you hear what they like. You know, so that's a really good way to do it. So I just want to go ahead and get those two points out of the way real quick before I, love I lost track of them. Yeah. You don't reach on Cerise. That's how I get hype on that. She's like, yeah. <laughs> Stunning. Do not ignore your customer. For real. Oh my God. I, I, I have even, you know, when I have, you know, employees, even new employees, even long-term employees, you right. know, they get into the whole, Hey, you know, how can I help you? If he's all just looking, it's like, no, 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 no. Okay. You basically like say, Hey, how you doing? What are you into today? You want mm -hmm. to strike up a conversation so you know exactly what kind of stuff they're into. So you can either take them or point to them exactly where they need to go in the shop to get it. Because the whole concept of them coming to my store, walking around for a little bit, then walking out the door when I hit the register. Nah, I don't play that. It's like, if you want to get paid, <laughs> you need to make sure you're engaging with the customers because you don't know what they need. They can overlook it. I've had people come into my store and be standing right next to dice and it'll be like, oh, you know, where can I find the dice? I mean, like those dice right there next to you, you know, <laughs> you need to like, you know, engage with, you know, the customers and make sure that they are finding what they need. So they come to your booth. You need to engage with them so you can find out what they need 
so you can take care of them and you can make that sale. And don't forget to ask for the sale. And having business cards, yeah, business cards is good. Yeah, keep those out the way unless somebody asks for it. Mm. Or they're walking away without spending anything. Because guess what? As far as I'm concerned, your information should be in that comic. So yep. if they want your information, they can get an issue of the comic. Also, I just thought about from Joseph. The other thing I was going to bring up, if you don't have your comic together and you got your artist there in town with you, make sure you have art prints. Because mm-hmm. unfortunately, it is a lot easier for you to sell an art print mm-hmm. for $10 to somebody That's right. than it is for you to sell a comic book to somebody for $5. That's correct. And a lot more work goes into that comic book, but it's so much easier and it's so much more profit in that art print. So if you've got a really talented artist, make those art prints. And if nothing else, some of those art prints can make you the money to produce the comic book and tell your story. Well, I keep I keep posters. Like I got posters. It's all over, but I keep them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's like as, as when I was a con goer, like just what you said, like I like there was times where I went to Denver Comic Con and like I'll walk by people's booth and I'll see them, you know, drawing or just doing something. I'm like, oh, okay, they're busy. And I'll keep walking by. And for myself, I saw that. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to do that at the con. So for me, like I make it like when I see it getting busy, I will not sit down. I'll stand up and I will engage and I will talk. Like if I was drawing something and I see somebody come, I push it to the side and I'm there and I'm looking at them and talking to them the whole time and Mm-hmm. Like you said, that that happens with the introverts because, like, for me, I'm, I'm kind of a yep. And for for me, I'm kind of a I'm kind of an introvert myself. But I don't know. I feel in my, my element in cons because I'm surrounded by more geeks and nerds just like me. So it's like so it's like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be. I'm gonna talk to people, you know. Um, but yeah, that's another thing, folks. Like, you have your tables, like, like, like I look at Todd McFarlane. Like, that dude doesn't even use the bathroom. Like, he doesn't even drink water. Like, when he's at a con, he doesn't <laughs> use the bathroom. And like, I'm thinking about something like. Like that's that's something else. Like it make it his business. I mean, he's Todd McFarlane too, so people are gonna go and talk to him, you know. But you do know three hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but like that's the thing though. It's like he is Todd McFarlane, so he's gonna have hundreds of people talking to him. And he's like, I don't even go to the bathroom because I choose not to because I want to talk to all my all my fans. And I'm like, that's dedication. That's that's dedication. That's dedication. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm gonna drink some water. Like I can't get be dehydrated, but you know, so I'm just like, wow, that's that's wild, you know. So <laughs> let's let's circle back around. How can panelists and vendors be more supportive or helpful? Well, um right, now, you know, the first thing I'm gonna say is go to my GoFundMe for honest kind. <laughs> <laughs> which you can find the link in the bio at Honest Con on Instagram, which you should be following anyway, and subscribe on our YouTube, Honest Con Atlanta, because all jokes aside, real talk, uh, for people who don't have the finances, we're trying to get to the point where we have enough followers to get AdSense. We're only mm-hmm. still under 100 followers. I'm like, come on, y'all. We got 12,000 folk on Instagram. We ought to at least have 1,000 followers, because that's all you need, plus 4,000 watch hours or whatever you got up there. And I tell people all the time, like, okay, if you don't like the fishing stuff, just cut it on and cut the volume down. Just let it run. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, we're trying to get this money for real. It's, it would help us tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, that's number one for us being a nonprofit. And, and it's going to come back to you if you're doing your taxes right. As far as um, the other, so that was one thing. What was the other part of it? You said the vendor? Uh, yeah, panelists and vendors, how can they be more supportive or helpful? 
for vendors, I say, you know, when we were live and even now, like, okay, so in a virtual aspect, again, it comes back to that. Like, I make I make it lightheartedly, and every now and then I get in their face about it on my Instagram. I'm like, look, y'all, stop playing. Like, I, I use, uh, what was it, um, the TI joint, don't be hitting me up and getting up. And I put that behind something look. If y'all don't stop hitting me up talking about your Kickstarter, which I might love and want to support, if you, you know how frustrating it is to see people who I've helped get the money 10 times on a Kickstarter. Like, we broke our goal. We reached our stretch goal. I'm like, yay. Could you break off at least $10 to honest gun? Like, like, it don't, you know, it's like, it's got to be reciprocal. And people yep. are thinking correctly about that because the reality is all of the lofty dreams you have and everything you want to do. And when people start talking, let's talk about the, the one that really makes me laugh is folks who get a little bit and start talking about they're going to take over the industry and we're going to wipe out Marvel <laughs> DC. I'm like, no. You got your own goons. Your, your lawyers are like 100 deep. You got, you know, centuries of people that know your stuff. You can, I, I can just go on and on and on. It's not even about that anymore. And I remember when I first started doing what I do as an independent, and I'll always be an indie-minded person. I support indies first always. But I also say you got to respect the culture you cultures you grew up in. Because I'm not with this, you know, the culture BS. I hate that phrase. It's, it's like we're too multifaceted. Give people their multiple lanes, and then we can get where it makes sense. So I'm saying, like, let things prosper, and once and whatever you can do in one lifetime, you know what I'm saying. If you really know your purpose, leave a legacy enough that people are going to support you and keep that that torch running. Because yep. everything else, man, you're just blowing wind. I promise you, it could be hot, real hot, and then fade away. Because yep. what you're up against is so steep. You know, if you're looking at it as competition, it's not about that. Just establish yours. Just build yours, you know what I'm saying? Tyler Perry, you know, got what he has now because he understood his market, yep. his, his cultural perspective, and built all his stuff around it. I've worked for that that man, and I respect what his, I totally respect his studio. I don't necessarily like all of his film concepts, but I don't necessarily not like all of it. Some of them I did like, you know? And when I started seeing the stuff I did like, I recognized, I said, I knew what was coming. So when it got to where it is now, I was like, that's what time it is. I'm proud of that. I respect mm-hmm. it because that's what it takes. And you got to get a real kind of cutthroat. The best thing that a Hollywood culture can teach you, they do it all wrong. They just outright rude with it when they're real wrong. But it can be professional and still cutthroat. You know, meaning, you know, we got to keep time. We're not playing. You know, we're going to have fun, but we're going to get this done. And we're going to make sure this money comes back. Because if it don't, we ain't going to make another one. That's how everything in this culture actually works. And mm-hmm. a lot of times I see a lot of vendors like, you know, I used to make a rule that I had to start wavering on just because I couldn't get nobody to understand what I was saying. I would say, if you're going to apply for a table at HonestCon, this is when we're doing a lot of it, send an example of your book. It's mandatory. I used to make that mandatory. And people would get upset. Oh, you mean I got to send you a free book? Ooh, just because you're paying for a table, don't make the book free. This is an incentive to me knowing what the hell it is. Like, I can look at it and I can read a couple of pages and go, okay, it looks good, quality. But if I have a copy, not only if I like it, I'm going to recommend you, 
Now you're going to get more business later on. You didn't even know what's coming to you because every time I get all kind of emails randomly. Hey, do you have a book like this? Do you know anybody who's doing this? I said, oh, yeah, I know somebody. I'll let my man. But you got to become a man or my lady. You got to be, be the homie first. You got to have mentality. You got to be like, that ain't nothing. This $3, $5. I don't care if your book gets 20 bucks. Think about it. Are you more worried about that $20 book to a convention? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what a convention can do for you versus, man, I sold, I, I, I missed a couple of sales on some books. You better, y'all gotta wake up. You gotta start putting it in perspective. And I'm not saying, and I'm coming, I'm coming from having printed books myself. I know what print costs. I know what flyers cost. I know what it feels like to look in the corner of your house and see boxes of books that will never sell. <laughs> you hear me? And the reason how this concrete started is I my first ash can book, I got uh man, I gave away more than I ever sell. But most of the people I gave them away to became friends I have now and the first vendors that I met. Love that. Yeah. Um, Therese? I think what I would say is, first of all, share share the information about Virtuous Con. You know, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and just share news about, about our event. We have another one coming up on Juneteenth, the 19th and 20th of June. Um, so yeah, share information about it. Um, if you went to uh, the one in February, we'd love to hear feedback. That's how we get better. Um, so that's another way that you can help and come. Mm. Yeah. Come. Tony? Uh, panelists and vendors, mm -hmm. I'm speaking to you. <laughs> All right. When we go up on the website and we tell you we have a certain amount of slots available mm. and that these are the deadlines to get your table and your submission in for the panel, please follow those directions. Mm. All right. Because so many times, and especially the people stuff that like know me, they will be like, I'll be announcing, all right, we have reached our 50 vendor limit. Then all of a sudden I start getting messages and phone calls. Yo, Tony, you hook me up, man. You know, you like getting another table, get me in there. And then you want to complain mm. that I stuck you over by the bathroom. Okay. When we give you the deadlines and we tell you we have a limit and we've given you months to put in for your table or your panel. Yes. I can't help you, you know, <laughs> if you don't follow the deadlines. Oh my God. So that's the number one thing I would say to panelists and vendors. I Can I that. add one more thing to that? I'm not worried. I just want to say, if you're coming to Virtuous Come, please don't skip the video telling you how to work the platform. That's, that's pretty important. That's the way you can help. You treat it like a video game. I don't need a tutorial. <laughs> well, and then you, then you drop it and you're like, wait, what? No. It's not a Zoom call. <laughs> so that's another way you can help to have a wonderful experience. The video is less than two minutes long and it will change your complete experience because you'll know what to do when you get into the environment. So thank you, Tony. For <laughs> I like to keep it real. I'm sorry. I'm business guy first. You know, I just like to put it out there. That's what's up. Yo, I, I guess, I mean, to kind of sum up what all three of us are saying, 
mm-hmm. is respect the uniqueness of everyone's establishment. Because I've had it happen a million times. People, you know, even approaching me with like, uh, so where's your uh, artist alley? We don't have an artist alley at Honest Con. You're like, no artist alley? It's like, that's a concept that, you know, big cons came up with and somebody came up with it first and everybody else kind of we doing our own thing. We have an art show. We have access to an exhibit area where we do, you know, the live event. We have an actual gallery. So, you know, if you want to be in that, you know, that's one part. But then as far as if you, you know, don't have a book per se, but you just have just the art prints and you want to be in the artist alley. You, trust me, when I tell you, you'll be happy I put you next to somebody in between sandwich between two people who I know not only will you get along with, but also your product is going to mesh real well. I'm an artist too, so I'm even color coordinating you. I'm like purple and gold together. You got a lot of green, that's gonna look good, that, that red. Okay, so-and-so got this. Okay, and then he's got a cosplayer. So man, the two, he, she got a cosplay. Oh yeah, them two people going. And when I look over there, I just laugh, like, look at, look at, look at, look at. And it looked like a party, just people, yeah, yeah, let me get 10 of them, let me get I mean, it's insane. And then the same person is coming back, man, this is the most I ever sold in my life. I'm like, yeah, yeah, next time I say, just say yes, sir, and continue. Let us do do what we do. We know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. Not to mention if you're an artist and you're sandwiched between two people who do books. Like I know I know I'm always looking for artists. Like if I had art, like one of the guys who was sitting beside me, he was an artist at the con I went to and he's gonna be doing some of my my covers and stuff. Uh so I mean yeah. (laughs) And that's what he said about putting you near the bathroom. I had some years where you know people would get at me about because we have a DJ on this con. So sometimes, and I understand, like, you know, DJs all of them for the most part. Shout out to my homie Zeno. He's that's my dude for life. They mostly he's Zeno I'll tell you, man. I'm I'm tone deaf in one of my ears because they always listening to something loud. You know what I mean? So we don't know how loud he is when he get hyped and want to push it up on a few of the things on the board and just like blast it. And people are like, so the book is ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to hear like that. I had to come over to see you. It's too loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we got to a place where we didn't never have that problem no more. But I can remember some years where it would be perfect. And I would ask, like Tony said, you do the walk around. You ask, like, everybody good? Everybody, everybody selling? Y'all happy? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I get that one person, the last person I never expect to do it. Man, I don't, I don't like the music's too loud or, or the person complaining I haven't sold or whatever. Okay. You know, now, if we really cool, we would work it out. If they gave me attitude and paid late, oh, my no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like you're complaining too much. <laughs> you're going, you're going to, and do not be the person that does not show up. Oh my God, an empty table at a con. Oh, 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 you are you a band for life. I don't want to see you nowhere. <laughs> you nowhere. Just be professional and respect that you're dealing with professionals. So you know. Yeah. Yes, we're and no, we're not on the level financially and otherwise of these super huge cons. So if that's the only way you see doing cons, keep doing that. But if you know that the niche cultural market we're providing is exactly what you need, respect that we're climbing a ladder and be helpful, not hindrance to that goal. Straight up. Oh, but we can't get to the level of those other cons. All day. All day. When we yeah, have- I remember when I was going to MomoCon and getting that little table for 50 bucks in hey. the student mm-hmm. center. You know? Yeah, and you know, just- Everybody, um, we are heading towards an hour and a half. Um, and wow. so um, <laughs> Quentin as, wants as to say, know- As we say, those are our good shows. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Quinn wants to know when can we expect to see Indie Comics Dispatch getting a booth in a con? I don't know, Quentin. We got a little while yet, man. <laughs> uh, eventually, ha- it may, eventually. It may happen sooner than you think. You already got yeah. one at Oscar, just so you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll fly to Atlanta. I'll fly over there. There we go. There we go. I want to go to Honest Con anyway. Me too. Your con too, so, Tony. So I mean, I've been to Tony's con. Um, that's that's the one I've been to so far, and on this panel. Anyway. Yeah, man. I, I you got pictures of my kids playing magic in the gaming hall. I mean, you know, I mean, awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, as we wrap up, we don't forget we're recording a bonus question after this. You can only hear the answer to that if you're a patron. Um, next week, next Wednesday night, eight thirty p.m. Eastern, we are hosting a fantasy genre night. We have three um, fantasy writers lined up, three indie comic fantasy writers that will be on. Um, so tune in for that. We actually have an all female panel next week, which I am yes. super excited about. So um, it's our first, first time, time having all females on the show. Um, other than tier nine, uh, sorry guys. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, tune in next week. Yeah, I know, right? Tune in next week. You can uh, find all of our comment on many social media channels at Indie Comics Dispatch. Um, search us out and follow us. Follow each of these wonderful people here. Check out their pages: OnyxCon, VirtuousCon, and Challenges Games. If you're ever in the Atlanta area, you can visit two of them. Um, if you're ever on the internet, you can visit the third. Um, <laughs> and we know you're on the internet. Um, Check them out, follow them, and uh, support when and where you can. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Joseph, uh, Cerise, and Tony, thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, Everybody out there watching, we will see you next week. Take it easy, folks. Why are you still listening? It's the end of the podcast. But since you listened to the whole thing, since you're still here at the end, as this podcast ends, as you exit out of the episode, why don't you give us a rating? And if you're not following or subscribing to us yet, go ahead and do that too. As I said at the beginning of the show, it helps a lot and you'll be doing the dispatch a big favor.